Hello, welcome to another installment of our podcast here with Heart and Mind Premarital. And remember, these podcasts are not actually uh, just for the premarital. This is for anyone who is dating, anyone who is in an engagement, and maybe even your first few years of marriage. So these podcasts are here for you, for those who are in the early stages of their relationship. And of course, we're hoping that uh, this helps you find some direction so you can have a long and successful relationship and marriage. Yep. Well, we are in a series called Family Dynamics. Now, of course, I got my beautiful wife, Lisa, right here next to me to help me through all this. We're going to be doing this together. Hi, everyone. And we are in installment three, which is dealing with an awesome family. Believe it or not, this is a actually a family dynamic that really does happen. You might be coming from a different family dynamic that was maybe toxic or not positive. And, you know, this is, it might be very odd for you. Yeah. Like when you have, when you deal with abuse, um, that would be a toxic one. Physical, obviously, obviously that would be a toxic relationship or mental or emotional. Um, you can even deal with passive aggressiveness in a family that is just not very good to be dealing with. It could be very toxic with the manipulation and um, just the underhanded comments causes that a lot. Um, and then even it may not be abuse. You may not be dealing with abuse, but maybe you're just not very close. And it would be very odd to be into a loving family where, you know, everybody's seeing each other all the time um, and they say, I love you to each other constantly. I That can be kind of odd for people when they go into a relationship um, that is uh, probably kind of like a culture shock to them, I would imagine. Yeah, absolutely. That would be a huge culture shock for someone that's not used to a good relationship with the family. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever traveled uh, to a different area. This could be in a different spot of the United States. This could be across the, the world. But it is a culture shock when you walk in and the signs are different, how people interact are different, mm-hmm. the mannerisms that you're supposed to keep. Believe you know, And you could feel a little odd and really out of place and just kind of like, I don't know if I like this or not, even when it's a very beautiful area. Uh, that's how I felt when I went to China. When I went to China and I was in Beijing and it was a really cool uh, uh, experience for me. Yeah, but- I felt the same way when I went to England and even Australia. They were um, very unique cultures, very unique um, places. But you do, you feel kind of out of place, kind of an outsider. And it actually can bring up some anxiety. Believe it or not, that's what you're feeling when you are in a good family with a good family dynamic. Um and you're seeing people just love on each other, are respectful to each other. Even when you see conflict, it kind of resolves or it doesn't get out of hand. Right. You're expecting this big blow up and it's like they just discuss it instead of yelling at each other and freaking out on each other. You know, or even if someone is get gets corrected, it's like the person submits and doesn't fight back. And you're like, right. Wait, what? <laughs> you know, what do you mean? You're supposed to fight back. What do you mean? <laughs> So it it is a it's a culture shock. What you are experiencing is a culture shock. And this is the oddity of falling into that dynamic. And I'm going to tell you, it's normal to feel that way, mm-hmm. whether you are the male or the female uh, walking into a relationship and it is 
It's just a different dynamic. It It's normal to feel this way when you are at that first major family function or even if you've been at family functions before and now you're getting married, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to feel those expectations and those cultural norms that normally you were just a visitor to. I mean, it's a big difference um, visiting China. Right. Th- than and actually living in China. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's a whole nother level. A whole and, nother ball game. And that's what you're experiencing, even though it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Now, Lisa, you've had some experience kind of in this dynamic of going from one type of family to another. You know, would you mind sharing that? Yeah. So in my family, we we were loving to each other, but we had a lot of toxicity in our family. And so when I came into um, Joe's family, it was definitely uh, different for me in that they were very loving to each other. They would discuss and debate. Whereas my family, we just kind of would yell at each other or um, scream at each other, um, remembering all those times my grandmother would yell and scream at my mom about politics and all of that. And so it was definitely unique in that way. Another thing for me is I got to see a father that took care of his daughters. Um, he had sons, but he definitely took me in as a daughter, um, my father-in-law, and he was very loving um, towards me, um, took care of me, got me things, kind of spoiled me really. And so it was definitely kind of refreshing to see that um, because my my dynamic wasn't like that very much. It was very passive aggressive, manipulative. And so it was, it was refreshing to see that in a family, but it was weird too. I found it kind of weird at first. I didn't know kind of how to react. Um, so that's kind of how I experience things. Now, even 15 years later, you still kind of see certain things. I, in my family, my family knows how to raise boys. We have, for whatever reason, our genetic line comes in and boys just pump out. So when a, <laughs> when a girl pumps out, which is one of my cousins, who's uh, uh, from uh, uh, New Mexico, she's out in New Mexico, you know, she got spoiled. But right. we all spoiled her, even the cousins, because she was the girl of that particular line. Like the only girl of that line. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we, our family, you know, had our, our, you know, we just somehow produced boys. But boys can be rambunctious and there's ways to create men in our family dynamic. I'm not going to go into too much of that, um, but, you know, how to function as men, how to treat women, you know, how to curve bad behavior was definitely something that even now Lisa's not used to. You know, uh, our eldest son will be mouthy. Mm-hmm. He will, uh, you know, um, start pushing some lines that are inappropriate. And if I don't curve this now, it's not – he's not going to be the type of the adult that uh, will be good in a relationship with other people. Yeah. And so, but some of my tactics has made Lisa go, whoa, whoa, whoa wait, wait, I think you're going too far. I think, you know, I'm right. like, and, and I'm like, no, I am making men. Yes. And, and that's, that's weird for me. I, I have a hard time with it because I didn't, I didn't necessarily see that in my family. So it's, it's very foreign to me to see that. And we've had to have, many talks on why that's happening and what tactics needs to happen for our boys to become men. And for those of you out there who are like, Oh my gosh, I I think this guy kind of perpetuates toxic masculinity, whatever your, that definition of yours is. Um, no, I do not do that. Um, 
I teach my boys to cry, but I teach them how to cry. I teach them it's okay that to be upset and sad and to speak about your feelings, but I also teach them how to compartmentalize it, get up and get the job done. Mm-hmm. And so that um, that dynamic, you know, is odd for watching for Lisa to watch because she didn't experience that. She had men who did the opposite. They did what they felt, no matter how much it hurt other people or themselves. Mm-hmm. And so it's you know, so that's just a small piece into our lives here. But right. that was the point is is that there is definitely an oddity when you come in and it's foreign. And you may not know how to navigate that. And that's why we're going to be kind of talking here today uh, on this last part of it is, you know, how, how do you how do you live in a and interact in a family dynamic that is really positive and really loving? Now, no one's perfect. You will even in the best families, you're going to see some sort of weakness. You're going to see some sort of uh, situations that are probably not right or not good, but they're in the realm of manageable, not toxic or um, abusive, right. but just normal humanity because none of us are perfect here. If any of you who are listening to this podcast, if you think that you're perfect, I really strongly suggest to go to a counselor <laughs> and start start pursuing are you a narcissist because only narcissists right. – will be listening to this podcast and a thinking I'm full of shit and B, um, you know, thinking that they're perfect when these questions are asked or you're listening to this podcast to how to fix the other person because you have it all together. Now, if that's you, you need a counselor. And if that causes you not to listen, Oh, well, okay. So um, (laughs) we all have weaknesses. We all have faults no matter what. Yes. So that's the point here. We all have weaknesses. We all have faults and we all could improve. However, there are many of us here who do better than others. That is a fact, you know, and And there are families that do better than others. And the goal of every human is, you know, let's try to have more positive aspects in our character than negative. Mm-hmm. And such is the same in a family dynamic. You might be coming from a family dynamic where there were so many negative and only a few positives. And you cherish those positives and you cherish uh, uh, what they could or couldn't do for whatever reason. But for the most part, there's a lot more harmful things than there were good things. We're talking about those families that have a lot more positive, healthy dynamics than they do have weak ones. So... That's what I want to get into your head. No family is going to be perfect, but you are entering into a situation where they do got their stuff together. Right. Now, this is going to cause a lot of emotions into you because of the fact of, you know, it might cause regret. It might cause sadness Mm -hmm. that you wish you had this growing up. Right. Um, And those are feelings you might need to discuss with your spouse and even just process through themselves with a a counselor, a therapist, even a pastor. Um, and it's good. It's good for you to kind of process will, through the feelings. Right. It'll cause healing for you as well. If you're in a loving, healthy family, it may be weird at first. It may be sad first at first, but it will start to cause you to be healed as you go. So how do you function in a family that is loving? Okay. Well, first things first, study and pay attention. So this is how you cope. This is how you learn how to break into this dynamic, if you will. First, study and pay attention. 
you might be an A-type personality or you might be an introvert. Well, if you're an A-type personality, you might come in as the loud, dominant personality. I would suggest Mm -hmm. you not do that. You restrain yourself a little bit. I'm not saying being fake. I'm just saying pull back a little bit and study the room. Study the dynamics of the family. Who is the matriarch? Who is the patriarch? Who kind of leads the family and keeps things going? Is it grandma? Is it mom? Is it dad? Um, heck, it could even be a sibling who kind of keeps things mm-hmm. going. I know in my family, it's my it's my brother who is who is the one who's the hey, we're all getting together for Christmas. You know, he's we're the one he'll it. plan mm-hmm. it, he'll get it going, he makes the phone calls, he uh, he sets it up. You know, yep. um, you know, and I appreciate my brother for that. But that's where you study. How does this family work? You know, study every little thing. You know, if you notice everyone got served, but no one touched their food until grandma sat down, right. that's things to take note. You you might even notice that when you see everyone, everyone gets a hug. Everyone right. gets a kiss on the cheek. You know, uh, that was one thing that was uh, odd for me when I even came into Lisa's family is, uh, although my family, you know, hugged each other for hello, uh, they didn't hug strangers <laughs> who yeah. came in, you know, uh, the moment I walked in the door, her nunny was like, she gave me a hug. She kissed me on the cheek. You know, right. I'm like, I don't know you, you know, <laughs> but then she said, hey, are you hungry? And then I'm like, oh, I like you, you know? Yes. And nunny was always offering food to anyone that came in. So, so, you know, you study. And I remember, you know, if the first few times I was with Lisa's family, even up into marriage, you know, I kind of stayed quiet and studied things. Now I'm loud and obnoxious, but. Right. At the time, I was I studied to see how things worked. And I was kind of the same way with his family. I was just kind of quiet and watched and saw how things went. And then as I got a little more comfortable, I was able to start voicing my opinion and things like that. So why is it important to study and pay attention? So you can accomplish these next things I'm going to talk about. Because A, it's part of you getting to know the family. What do they like? What do they don't like? Mm-hmm. You know, and that might give you some clues on how you could break in. And it's even kind of gives you a clue onto what their love languages are. And if you don't know what that is, right. just Google love languages. There's a book um, that's great that explains it. You'll love it. Um, I think check we it even out. addressed it on another podcast, um, a previous podcast as well. Exactly. Yeah, you're, I, you're, I believe you're right. So after you study and pay attention – you know, then attempt to open a little to the safest family member. Maybe you find one of the family members that you feel comfortable enough to share a little bit more about who you are, mm-hmm. you know, and you'll know who this person is because they're usually the person who addresses you first. That might be an aunt. That might be an uncle. Right. It might be grandma, grandpa. It could be the mother-in-law. Um, it could be, you know, your sister, brother-in-law, soon to be sister and brother-in-law. Heck, yeah. it could even be a cousin. Yep. And it's okay to open up a little. Now, you don't have to tell them everything unless you have a, a you feel comfortable enough, but open up a little. And the reason why this is important is because, I'm going to be honest, fam- loving families don't know how to keep secrets. So they'll all talk about you as soon as you leave the room. <laughs> of course. All right. That's just... It's just who they are usually. You know, if that just blew up your world, uh, sorry, <laughs> welcome to truth. Okay. All... Uh, y- Remember, they're they're watching to see who you are for the for your significant other. So they want to make sure that this is a good relationship for them. Yeah, they'll straight up have a family meeting after you leave. Yep. And uh, uh, it 
believe it or not, loving families probably are more gossipy than probably toxic families, believe it or not. Yeah. Um, but you, I'm telling you this to use it to your advantage because as soon as you leave the room, <laughs> you know, people are going to, you know, not knowing you, they're going to say, well, I don't know if I like her or him. He was a little quiet or, you know, he seemed kind of standoffish. Well, by you opening up to at least one family member, now you got an advocate who says, no, 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 I got to know Jim. I got to know Jane. Mm-hmm. And, oh, no, that they – you know, they're going to college. They're really cool. They really, I think they were just a little shy. And then all of a sudden the family's like, oh, okay, let's continue to right. get to know them. Exactly. So you open up to the safest person in the family just a little bit. That you feel the safest with. You know, mm-hmm. and a little bit more every time because they got to build trust with you too. Right. And that's, that's just normal hum- humanity. But don't be afraid to open up and don't be so guarded that, it, it, you know, they feel a little standoffish. And you'll know you you didn't do it right because the person will try to talk to you and then go, and then you'll get that awkward silence. They'll take a drink, a sip <laughs> of a drink, you know, whatever it may be. It could be water, milk, or even a brandy. And then they'll like, okay, well, I'm going to go over here and help mom now. You know, it's like, <laughs> clearly you don't want to talk, you know? So yeah, open up a little, you know, but here's the other part. Here's the, which then comes to the next thing. As you do this study and open a little every time, open a little, but be patient. You're, some of you might have an experience where it takes one Thanksgiving meal and you're like, oh my gosh, I am sold out for this family. Awesome. Some of you might take a few, quite a few family event upon yep. family event upon family event. Be to get comfortable. patient. Mm-hmm. Be patient. And realize that it's going to take time that even though they might love you because that's just who they are. It's going to take time for them to get to know you. Yes. And and vice versa for you to get to know them. So it takes time. But here's this other part. We're going to go back to something here. As you're being patient, and the reason why you want to be patient is because at some point, their normal humanity is going to come out. Yes. Now, in Christian circles, we say all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, you might not be Christian, but ask yourself, have you met any perfect people? The answer is no. And if you have, you need counseling because you clearly are delusional. (laughs) No one is perfect. So why are you patient? Why do you study? Why do you, you know, open up a little? Because at some point, someone is going to display normal humanity. You're going to, that mother-in-law who was so loving, you know, and so accepting and so out of your business, one day is a little rude and a little curt with how you did something. Right. Or when you're planning the wedding, she's wanting a certain thing done or a certain um, tradition done. And if you don't want to do it, then you may be having some issues with that family member. And that's okay because it's human. You know, that father-in-law who just seemed very supportive and really wise, you know, kind of rudely told you that your business idea is stupid, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, you don't, you're going to have an incident. You're going to have a sibling, a sister, a sibling-in-law, a sister-in-law, right. brother-in-law, uh, you know, might say a comment you don't like. That's normal. Yes. Re- recognize that it's, that normal humanity is going to happen. You're, this family that you really enjoy that was loving, all of a sudden is starting to display some weaknesses. But here's the key. Be conscious of your response. Because... A response to that, your response to that could be actually inappropriate and confusing to the other family because the reality is 
what should have been uh I disagree, but let's move on, might turn into a giant fight. Right. Because of the toxic maybe relationships you had in your family, um, you might go straight to zero to 60 where you think you're going to be having to brace for this big fight when it's really just going to be, oh, okay, I, you know, I appreciate your comment, but I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. And you may be expecting this big fight and you don't get it. And that might be a little off-putting for you. And they look at you like you're the crazy one. Right. Which, by the way, you are at that moment. But it is... It is something to take consider of because you want to see what is your response? What are you feeling? Because your feelings do matter. You know, it, 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 it really does. But you also want to live in truth. You want to live in truth. Was this that big of a deal? You know, is it a different response? Were they, tr- was it coming more from a spot of loving versus a sp- spot of manipulation that you experienced in your own immediate your family. Own family. Yeah. And so you want to be conscious of your response to normal human um normal humanity weakness. I, I do want to bring out something in that when you go into this loving family and it's a little off-putting for you and kind of weird, I would highly suggest you mention this to your to your spouse or your significant other so that they can help you through it because a lot of times when you're going through this and trying to figure out, you know, what, um, how do I, how do I fit in this family? I think that when you let your significant other or your spouse know, they can help you along. They can help you with grandma if you're having a hard time with her, or they can help you with their mom um, in how you can maybe uh, react to her or talk to her. Um, so I think that that's a, a really important piece that our listeners know that they need to kind of uh, share that with their significant other or spouse. And with that, if you are the spouse that comes from a loving family, you need to be your spouse's advocate. Because yes. if mom comes to you and says, like, I just suggested that she get the baby a blanket and you're and she blew up on me. That's where you're going, mom, she never really had a mother, you know, and the mother she did have was manipulative and critical. So would you constantly know. criticize everything she did. Yeah, so you know, give her a little bit of grace. Don't get me wrong; she shouldn't have snapped at you, mom. I agree with that, but give her a little bit of grace, mom. She's trying to learn how to be in a loving family. Yeah, she never had a mother who taught her how to mother. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you know that that is why, as a spouse, you want to talk about it and advocate for your wife. It's not making excuses for them. If you notice what I said, I literally said, "Yeah, she shouldn't have snapped at you, mom," but. Let's understand the dynamic here. Right. You know. Encouraging your family members to also have patience with the significant other as well is important. She's getting used to it. Mm -hmm. She's getting used to it. And, you know, that that is that is an okay thing. This is a normal process of becoming part of a family. What is your role? Which is this next part. Because you gotta find your place within the family. You might, in your immediate family, have a certain role, mm-hmm. but in your spouse's family, that might not be your role unless called upon it. Mm-hmm. What do I mean by that? Let's say you're the only one in your toxic family that know that has everything together. Well, you lead the family, you make the decisions, you push things through, you know. But in your spouse's family, it's actually almost inappropriate for you to do so because there's a matriarch, a patriarch. You know, um, there's other leaders in the family that are already well established. Now, male or female, it doesn't matter. It's it, it, it and it doesn't mean you have to shut up and take it. It just means 
you're not the one that gets everyone going. Mm-hmm. You know, it's someone different in your spouse's family. So find your place and find your place, um, you know, is a respectful thing. It's an honor, honorable yeah. thing because your place is only there temporary because I know this is going to sound bad as people die or lose credibility because right. that happens in family. Yeah, it does. Your sure. role will change. And it's those who knew their place from the get go that usually get put up. Right. Get into promoted. leadership. Of, yeah, I know. That's a kind of a weird way to look at it, <laughs> but promoted or put up into the family. Mm-hmm. So, um, find your place. And it's also when you find your place, you also know how to fit and work as a new cog in this family machine. Right. If you're seeing women in the kitchen cooking, you can offer to help. You know, if the men are cleaning up in the kitchen and they're having a glass of wine, you can go and sit with the women and have a glass of wine. You got to figure out where that place is. And that's a really good. And here's the other part. You brought up something, Lise. Your beliefs don't matter. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you right now, your beliefs don't matter. Um, I'm not saying violate some core beliefs, but you might have some real strong opinions about cultures that expect women to be in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you're marrying into a Latina family, Latino family, and all the women are in the kitchen and you're like, I don't cook. I think it's crap that you, you do that to all your women. Right. Hey, you can have those beliefs. Heck, you know, that's why Facebook and Twitter and all those others are there. You can express that all you want. But do you want to be right or have a relationship? Right. You know? Get in the kitchen with the other women. Make the tamales. And you know what? If you kind of drop a little bit of your preconceived motions, you might find that that might have been the funnest, most loving place you could have been during that family event. Yeah. And it can also teach you a new skill. Yeah. Same thing for men when, you know, if they're out there chopping wood and you've never lifted an axe in your life. You you might be an interior designer, you know, (laughs) office manager by trade, you know, for a fashion studio. You've never really known labor. You didn't have to. And there's nothing right. wrong with that. But if if all the men are out there chopping wood, you want to do that as well. And it might teach you a new skill. If you've never lifted an axe to chop wood, now you're learning to chop wood and you can make firewood for your family. Go ahead and try it. There's nothing wrong with that. Because here's the thing. You're not going to be influential until you've known your place and they get to know you. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Yep. And if they get to know you, then you might be able to... Bring in a new thinking, a new way of understanding. And who knows, you might have learned something in the process too as well. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, very rarely do family dynamics change overnight. They're a series of small changes, yes. small influences. And that can only be done if you find your place within the family and the family culture. So that is a dynamic that's going to take time. It's going to take patience. It's going to take you studying the family. Mm-hmm. It's going to take you recognizing normal humanity from culture from and recognizing who you are in your response. And then finding your place and as well. And then you'll find your place. And I'll tell you, you'll fit, you, you'll, you'll fit right in. It might not be perfect and you might still struggle. But you know what? A loving family worth their salt is going to accept you for who you are, Absolutely. weaknesses and all. That's why you're seeing what you're seeing, because they know that no one in that family is above their crap. And you might 
even find an advocate in that family when you're having issues with your spouse or significant other. I know that I experienced that even in um, in your family. Um, oh. Your mom is an advocate of me, I feel. She's an advocate of all the wives all in the our family. Yeah. She smacks us boys around if she thinks that we're not. We're like 30, 40-year-old men, and she still <laughs> will take the chocolate to us. <laughs> Be like, treat your wife right. And I'm like, I'm your blood. She goes, yeah, that's why I can hit you, you know? Right. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it's, uh, um, it's a beautiful thing when that you can get to that point where that happens, you know, where the family will actually accept you enough where they're kind of beating up your spouse for not treating you right. Right. And that's a beautiful place to be. Yes. But you only get there if you've opened yourself up in your patience and you've learned to know your place within the family, mm-hmm. you know? Last but not least, before we kind of get through this, when you do all this, you also want to be careful not to sabotage yourself. What do I mean by that? This is what you want to resist self-sabotage. And if you don't know what self-sabotage is, again, Google's a wonderful thing. Yes. Look up in some reputable psychology websites, the definition of self-sabotage. But simply put, um, it's you, your words, actions, and attitudes that – Tears apart a situation and or your character. All right. Now, a lot of these times, these are self-defense mechanisms that pop yes, up. Yes. Very you know, much Someone so. who's always afraid of being hurt are usually mm-hmm. the person who strikes first, you know. Yes. Uh, someone who, you know, uh, is in a good thing somehow feels that they're not worthy and then flees the good thing. Flees or, you know, breaks it apart. Immediately, because they don't think that it's going to work, or they don't think that they deserve it. What was that Julia Roberts movie, Runaway Bride? Yes, Runaway Bride. Yeah, Runaway mm-hmm. Bride. That's a great example of it. You know? Yes. Um, so resist self sabotage. Is this can come out in two ways? And again, if you seem to identify with this, find a therapist, find a counselor, find a pastor, talk this through, um, because it. It will help you in the long run by finding health in relationships. Mm -hmm. But self-sabotage comes in two ways. One, you either become overly aggressive. You know, the moment you experience the slightest disrespect, you shoot back with such force, such ferocity to show I will not be disrespected that you basically burnt the bridge and nuked the situation. Right. You know, again, that goes back to recognizing normal humanity. But because you were so beaten down as a child, you've learned to, you know, I will never allow anyone to do that again. Right. You have those walls up that you, you can't let anyone in. You can't let anyone disrespect you because you were so disrespected in your childhood. So you almost have an overreaction. Right. That again, self-sabotages a, your reputation within the family and Mm -hmm. B even being able to connect with the family. And that doesn't mean that once you do it, everything is done. No, it might take some time and some repairs and some uh, conflict resolution to get past that. But you want to resist, I'm going to hurt first before I get hurt. Yes. There's a saying, hurt people, hurt people. If you know, if you can recognize that you're hurt, deal with that hurt so you don't inadvertently hurt someone else that was honestly trying to be loving towards you. Yes. The second part of this is not feeling worthy. You might be from a toxic family and you recognize you have a hand in that toxicity. Toxicity. Mm-hmm. You know, you have a hand in it. You you made some decisions. You've done some things where 
you really are at fault and you know you're at fault and you carry that guilt with you. Maybe it's from your first marriage. Maybe from your first marriage, you were the one who cheated and had the emotional affair. And now you're in your second marriage and you've grown as a person. And now you're walking into this really loving family. You know, it's basically you got a second chance in life. Yeah. But for whatever reason, you don't feel that you're worth it. Or you were maybe abused. Those who have been abused um, over the course of their lives, especially sexual and physical abuse, you know, you almost feel that you're damaged goods and you don't, you're not worthy of anything good. And so you might be feeling that of saying, wow, I've really have done some horrible things in my life or I, I don't feel like I'm worthy enough to be part of such an awesome family. And so you'll separate, you'll isolate, yep. you'll make up reasons Quiet. why you don't go. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really because you don't feel worthy, worthy of being there. Yeah. You know, you might, you might even be looking at yourself and saying, I'm not this loving person that everyone in your family is. That's just not my nature. So, uh, you know, I guess I don't really belong. You know, again, that's self-sabotaging. You know, if you heard what I said in terms of this mythical quote, you know, you determine you're not worthy enough. Well, they never said that to you. They've right. never declared that. They've never asked you to leave. That's you. And so that's what I mean by self-sabotage is that sometimes when we are in the mode of self-sabotaging, we will look at our spouse's family Mm -hmm. through incorrect lens. You know, they did 95 things right, but we're going to focus on the 5% that they did wrong. And we're going to see, see, I knew this family was too good to be true. Screw them. Screw you. You know, we're not being a part of it. Um, You know, or... You'll look at it and say, wow, they're giving me so much love. I, they, if they really found out who I really am, they would not love me anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm just not, I'm just going to pull away so I don't face the inevitable, if so to speak. Right. That they're not going to like me at some point. They're going to figure out who I am and, and they're going to figure out that it's all a facade. And you don't want to get into that mode when you have a loving family um, because it's, it's just not accurate. And I would encourage, um, the listeners here to maybe talk to a friend, get someone on the outside that can kind of help you um, get the perspective that you need with some, with a healthy family so that you can uh, move forward and not self-sabotage as we've talked about. Find help. If everything we just said in the last two to three minutes seems to point to you, get counseling. Mm Mm-hmm. Help yourself heal. Help yourself see that you're worth it. You know, everything from therapy to going to church and finding out that you are someone of worth. This is important so you can have a healthy relationship and be a healthy component in other people's relationships. In that family dynamic. Mm -hmm. Lastly, love takes work. Find ways to love the family that you are in. If they're a loving family, study them and work at loving them. This could be service. This could be words. This could be uh, gifts. Could be time, could spending be, time. Could be spending time sent, spent. Yeah, mm-hmm. Ugh, I said that weird. But love takes work. Love takes work not just in your relationship with your spouse. Right. But, but in every relationship, every family relationship, it definitely takes work to make it healthy. 
right. That's all for today. And let us remember, love is not just of the heart, but also of the mind. After hearing this podcast, if you would like some premarital coaching, come check out our new website at hmpremarital.com. That again is hmpremarital.com. If you have enjoyed the show and it really has helped you out in your relationship, consider being a supporter of the show. You can either click the little heart icon in the top right-hand corner of our podcast website, or you can click in the description where it says support the show. Any donation would be greatly appreciated. And remember, love is not just of the heart, but it's also of the mind.